Hello and welcome to the weekly Yes, a podcast where two best friends talk about their joint mission to say yes to life. I am your host, Yara Skakfjord, and co-host is my bestie, the amazing Kristen Guerin. On today's episode, Kristen and I talk about autonomy and setting boundaries. We discuss the patriarchy and relationship dynamics between men and women, as well as the importance of the stories we see on TV and in the movies. For today's fast facts, I would like to give you a bit of context for the start of our conversation. Kristen is on her way to a volunteer program in Israel, and they require some documents and forms signed by a doctor to confirm that she's in good medical health. The story she's telling us at the beginning of the episode is essentially about a phone call that she had with a doctor about one of these forms. I hope that has given you plenty of context so you don't feel left out in the cold. And with that, I will drop you straight into our conversation. Enjoy. Anyway, so continuing on, I'm getting to the meat of the story now. She was like, she was like, no, I just think as a doctor, I just need to do my, and I was like, my due diligence and make sure that I'm feeling, I was like, sure. I was like, you want to go over the answers now? She goes, would that be okay? I was like, absolutely. I'll take five minutes. Okay. So we start going over the answers and, and she was like, I just don't understand why they want all this information. I was like, honestly, it's an Israeli company. It's not an American company. I was like, they don't really understand how the American medical system works. I was like, that's probably why. And then I think she understood what the form was for. And then she was like, are you sure that you want to go to a war zone? And I was like, she goes, no, that's not how she said. She said, you know, it's a war zone, right? And I was like, yes, I'm aware. And she goes, are are you sure that you want to do that? And I was like, yes. And then we continued on, right? I was just like, I'm just gonna let that one slide. Yes. Okay, next question. And then then she comes back later. She circles back around. She goes, I just don't, I don't know. She was like, if you really should go, are you sure you want to go? You should really, I don't feel safe sending you to a war zone. I was like, are you going to literally not sign my forms because you personally wouldn't want to go here? I just don't think you should go with, without any family, without any, without any sort of support system. I was like, I'm in a program. And she was like, yeah, she's like alone. She said alone. I was like, it's actually part of a program. Then she was like, no, with family. You don't have any family over there. I was like, actually, I do have family over there. And I don't. But I was <laughs> she go, oh, that's different. I was like, why? You know what I mean? Anyway, I honestly, I snapped at her. I said, I was like, excuse me. I was like, but it's none of your business. Why I choose to, where I choose to go or why I choose to go. To. I was like, all, your responsibility is to sign the form if my medical history, to account for my medical history. It's my decision where I decide to go with my, in my life. And she was like, and like, she like, sh- she shut up. And anyway, at the end, she goes, Okay, she was like, just be safe. And as a medical professional, I just feel like I need to make sure that you are, that I'm doing my due diligence and you are taking care of yourself and you're safe. I was like, is this your responsibility? You feel like this is your job, right? So like, just be safe over there. And I was like, thank you so much for your help. Have a great rest of your day. I wasn't even going to acknowledge the fact that she was like, had like a, an opinion on my life. I was, I'm never going back to this doctor's office. Nope, never again. That is just so inappropriate. I think what this brings up for me is boundaries and starting to identify boundaries for myself, clarify them. I am not looking for advice on this topic. I'm just looking for you to fill out a form, right? But then I think for me, it's this place of, God, I felt like a bitch. Like I really did. I was like, oh, I was just a jerk to this person. And that didn't feel good. And I had to check in with my system and be like, how do I actually feel about what I just did? And I was like, I feel both shitty about the fact that I just snapped at this very sweet woman mm-hmm. and also really proud and and grateful to myself for standing up for myself. Yeah. And I think it's for me, it's like this starting to navigate these this line. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. And it's a great opportunity because 
it's really hard to like it's hard to stand up to your parents and it's hard to stand up to a teacher or a doctor, like someone that you have been taught your entire life that, that they know better than you, that they are like their authority figures. So even though the opinion that she expressed about your life choices that had nothing to do with your medical history and were none of her business, that's still you are still in a position of power and it does matter what you say. It could still have a major effect on the person. It just made me think of the word, the phrase statute of limitation, which I don't totally know what it means. <laughs> it means in my head, sorry, lawyers out there, that something expires, mm -hmm. right? That this is your expiration date. I'm now 33 years old. I'll be 34 in a few months. And what point do I become an authority on my life? At what point do these teachers, mentors, adults, in quotation marks, doctors, when do when does the authority transfer back to me? And when do I have the right to decide who I allow to have that authority over me? And in what situations, right? Because yeah. if I had also, by the way, I am knock on wood in great physical health. I didn't need a checkup. My blood work came back perfect. My, there were checkups. I didn't need to have this appointment, right? If I had an issue, I would go to a doctor who is a specialist and say, okay, you are now the authority in this situation. I don't know anything about this disease or whatever's going on with me, right? But in just my life in general, my life choices, who gets to be the authority? When does the statute of limitation for that childhood authority figures, when does that run out? I feel like it, it ran out long ago, yet they still seem to be trying. And is yeah. that me? Am I the one doing? Yes, I'm giving away my autonomy to these mentors, to these people in, in positions of authority. Because you've been conditioned to. That, that's a big part of it, is that we've been conditioned to. I'm reading this book. It's called Financial Feminist. I, it's so funny because I've talked about it a couple of times on the podcast the, my, about my money stuff, right? And how I've been like working on healing all of those things and like getting my money stuff together. And I'm on a great roll. I already read a whole book about it, but it was the book was by a man. And I was like, I want I want to read a book that's by a woman as, as well so that I have different points of view. And it's a great book. It's also like a workbook, like she makes you journal about certain things. And she says at one point that women weren't allowed to have a credit card without a male co-signer until 1974. I'm like, wait, se 1974? It was just like absolutely mind-blowing. And what, 10, 10 years later or like something like that, 10, year 10 years later, women were allowed to get a mortgage or, or a business, business loan or something like that. So not until the 80s, were women allowed to take out a, a loan, a mortgage or a business loan, I forget which one it was, unless they had a male co-signer. I am born in the 80s. I'm born in, in 1989. So even though, so here's also the thing. So, okay, so even though it's in the law, even though, like you yeah. were saying, like statute of limitations, even though we technically are adults at 18, even though we, by law, were able to be financially independent, even though it's in the law, that doesn't mean that the subconscious mentality around these things has changed, yeah. you know? Oh, you're just a little girl. You don't know anything about the work. Let us grownups take care of this. Let us men right. handle this. And she's talking about how this is really infuriating. <laughs> this is really infuriating <laughs> what I'm about to say. But she says, I've been conducting this informal e experiment, she said, where she 
Google's financial advice for women. And the financial advice is always how to be more frugal, how to cut your household budget, how to save, how to not spend. Like the first, the, the, the how-to articles that come up are five meals under $5. Wow. For men, it is how to invest. Yeah. Like the how-tos are like five stocks that are hot right now. Like they, they are, I'm picturing like the guys in the movie Titanic were like, oh, cigars and brandy. That's what they're doing. Yeah. The, the men go away. They're smoking cigars and drinking brandy and talking about money. And the only thing that we are told to do with money is to not spend it. And then we're shamed also for spending money. And she talks about the double standard about like you're, you're telling us not to get our nails done and our, and our hair done and, and clothes. But if we don't do that and we show up without makeup and our hair not done, we are considered not professional. And then we don't mm-hmm. have the opportunities to advance because it matters <laughs> what we look like. Anyway, it's just like such a double standard. So it's like. It's all over the place. It's not all our fault. Like you were saying, oh, I'm giving away my autonomy. Sure, there might be some personal responsibility there. And she says that in the book as well. I'm not saying that you shouldn't focus on your personal finances and get your shit together. But just know that you are working against a huge, big system and issues that are not your fault and systems that have been put in place and mindsets that are ingrained in people consciously or subconsciously. It's just a reminder because I think sometimes I can be a little naive towards these things because luckily we were born in in an era where uh, a lot of work had been done for us although granted we've taken a couple of steps back in in recent years but I think I sometimes forget that that these systems and 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 this mentality is still in place even within myself sometimes without me me realizing it there was one thing that I want to share because I was doing some of the journal prompts that she was she asks you to do it's so funny. It's no matter like how much work you do, there's always still work to be done. I was feeling pretty good about myself reading this book. I was like, oh, I'm already doing this. Oh, I have a high yield savings account. Oh, I just opened an IRA. I was like, oh, I'm doing all the things. But the first chapter is mostly about like your money beliefs. And there's like a couple of narratives that she that she writes in like a, a sentence. Unless you're a man, wanting money is selfish. I wrote for myself. I'm not sure if this is super strong in me because my mom was always the breadwinner in our household. But I'm sure that created all kinds of other problems. LOL. (laughs) I do sometimes think, and I didn't know this until I started writing. This just came out as as I was writing this. I said, I do sometimes think that making money for myself and Yadin, my husband, is selfish because we don't have or want children. Interesting. And I was like, whoa. So I'm not allowed to want money for mm-hmm. myself. It feels selfish because uh, what am I going to use this money for? I don't have kids. I don't have to pay for any schools. I don't have to save up for their college. I don't have to like pay for extra groceries or anything like that. Oh, yeah, I shouldn't be asking for more money. This is fine. This is enough for yeah. me, my humble household of just me and my husband and our little dog. So that was actually something that I didn't know until I started writing this and I was like oh damn not sure if this is super strong oh yep it is (laughs) even the stuff that I was like oh no I'm fine I'm good anyway I just wanted to share because because I was inspired by you last week with a small change medium change big change and I was just thinking because I don't want to think to myself okay yeah I did it I took care of my 
mm. finances and now I don't ever have to think about it ever again. I was like, I wonder if I could go deeper, even though I have all the practical things in place, even though I've learned so much and I'm so like happy and grateful for the place that I'm in right now. I wonder if I can go deeper. And I think it's clear by the answers that he gave for these journal prompts that that I can, in fact, go deeper. So I, I guess that's that was my yes <laughs> for for the past <laughs> week was like saying yes to, to going going a little deeper. Okay, I'm all, I've already taken action. Okay, I'm already doing the thing. Yay, patting myself on the back. Okay, I wonder if I can say yes to going just a notch deeper, just a half a level, not even a full level, just a half a level deeper than what I'm doing right now with my things, money being one of them. And then there are other things that I'm working on as well. I'm watching Ted Lasso right now, which I'm obsessed with. And I just, oh, wow, spoilers. It's fine. Say it anyway. Spoiler alert. Pe- people can make their own choice. It's been out for a couple of years. This is season two. It's so funny. Keely and Roy are together. I yeah, personally don't know. Just I, I know personally don't care. don't care about spoiler alerts. Like people could tell me the entire plot and the ending and the twist. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, great. Can't wait to watch it. You know what I mean? I'm like, why would you not watch something? Because I don't know if that's not how I, it's that's not why I'm watching stuff. Anyway. I know. Still watch the show, guys. It's so good. Keely and Roy are together. Spoiler. It happens like. Very early on. And she gets this really amazing opportunity and she's shooting this photo shoot and an interview for Vanity Fair. And they take photos together because he's honestly more famous than she is. But she's becoming a CEO is what's happening. And she's stepping into this uh, boss bitch energy is what she's calling it. Wait, am I allowed to curse on here? Yeah, yeah. I've been cursing a lot. <laughs> it's fine. You can curse on this podcast. <laughs> Um, anyway, they wind up not using any of the photos with them together. And he's both hurt, but also just so deeply happy for her. And he looks at the photos and he's, and she's, oh, I'm so sorry, babe. I didn't, I can't believe that's so rude of them to not use any of the photos with you. You came to the shoot. You did the thing. They should have at least used one of them. And he was like, are you kidding me? Oh my God, I'm going to cry thinking about it. But he's, are you kidding me? Look at these photos. You look incredible. You look so strong. And so, wow, I'm talking to myself right now. (laughs) You look so strong and independent and you're radiant. You look amazing. I'm so glad they didn't use any with me because it would have detracted from your brilliance and your boss bitch energy. And boy, I don't even know why I needed to say that, but that was so powerful for me to see. I know why I need to say that. Now, as I say it, I didn't, it didn't hit me as hard until hearing what you just said. Didn't hit me as hard last night watching it. Wow. That was, I'm like, stories, for those who don't know. Plenty of time. I've said it in the last 10 episodes. I'm single. Uh, (laughs) Alert uh, the elders. (laughs) And I am a CEO and I am a boss and I am work and success has been very important in my life. Here's what I'm going to say is seeing that, seeing a partner, a male partner support a female partner in that way resonated so deeply for me and allowed me to, I think it's like really shook something up. I was like, wow, that's that's a value in a partnership that I didn't know I didn't have. I didn't know could exist even, mm-hmm. if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, yeah. Yeah, I just don't, I don't think we see that a lot. I don't think we get to experience that a lot. Yeah, in, in life or in, in the arts. Those are just really moving. Yeah, it's so true. And I think one of the problems is that I'm really glad that story is being told. Because sometimes I think about that when I'm watching shows or movies or whatever 
like it, the story could have gone into him becoming super jealous of her and that would have 100%. created problems in the relationship. And then that that could have 100 percent. That's a trope. They could have done gone down that line and we probably would have been on board. But they yeah. chose something completely different, which I really love. I was watching there's a, a Christmas movie called The Holiday. And I went to a screening of it the other day. It was like a screening where they played the score live, like the Philharmonic. It was really cool, really awesome. Because I've just been watching this movie at home, like my entire, like Mm -hmm. for the past 20 years that this movie has been out or whatever. And it was like in a room with 2,000 people. And there's a moment in the movie where Kate Winslet is is telling off her her ex and everybody like applauded in the audience, really being supportive of Kate Winslet's character. And there was also, and, and this was actually something that I, Never really paid attention to. This is a completely different scene where Cameron Diaz and Jude Law are on a date. They've slept together, but they're like, okay, let's go on a date and get to know each other. They go and have lunch and she's like asking him about his life. And she asks about his parents and he talks about his mom having been like a really successful publisher. Like I think she owned her own company or like something like that. She was like a very successful woman. And then Cameron Diaz tells him that she owns the company. And he was like, wait, I thought you were, I thought you were just an editor. I didn't realize that you owned the company. And she says, now that I know that you had a mom that was strong and successful and ambitious, I feel safe in sharing with you that I know that you're not going to be intimidated. These are the hoops. These are the mental hoops that we are jumping through all day, every day, taking care of the male ego, making sure that they don't feel less than, taking away their autonomy, essentially by not allowing them to feel their feelings. There's so many layers to this. We're conditioned to take care of them so much that here we are on top of the world and I can't even share it properly. I can't even rejoice in it or celebrate it because I am worried about his feelings and his fragile ego. So I'm not surprised that you became emotional watching that scene because we never see it. We never experience it and we never see it. I have not read this book yet, but somebody recommended it to me the other day. It's called The Man's Guide to Women by Dr. John. And essentially in it, he talks about how men have the work to do in relationships. When relationships end, it's because of male, because men have been taught to not be vulnerable, to be that it's unsafe, that it's not manly, to care, to be sensitive, to be wrong. So therefore, when the relationship ends, it's there's it's he's a doctor it's a scientific a research-based book and he's saying most of the time in his research it's because the man didn't feel comfortable enough safe enough he wasn't taught that it was okay for him to be vulnerable yeah i I, again haven't read the book but how what an interesting thesis i'm I'm glad that it's research-based because just based on conversations that I have had with women in my family or my friends, that is the issue 99% of the time. I agree. I swear to God. Like, rarely do I hear my women friends complain about he is not in shape enough. He is not making enough money. He Like, that is rarely the issue. The issue is that they know, I know something's going on with him. I know something is wrong. He won't tell me. He won't admit it. He won't share it with me. I approach him. He's like a closed book. I'm not connecting. I feel like 90% of the time when I'm talking to my women friends that are in relationships with men and they have some sort of an issue, that is the main issue. 
And I can just share also from my personal experience, I shared in, in the last episode that Yadin and I broke up for a couple of months and then came back together. And it was very clear when we, like one of the main reasons why we were having such a hard time with communication was because of this exact reason. I was on a very, I was on a journey of looking at my stuff, like looking at my subconscious beliefs and patterns and I didn't feel good and I wanted to feel better and I wanted to heal from this. And I'm looking at my codependency, look, like looking at all these things and he healing and looking at parental stuff, all that stuff. And he wasn't doing any of that stuff. And not that everybody needs to do the same thing all of the time, but it wasn't just the fact that he wasn't doing any of that stuff. It was he was almost becoming resentful of the fact that I was doing that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So he felt like he was behind, which I also felt he was behind because we weren't on the same wavelength. I was learning all kinds of new things and I was needing something and wanting something different from the relationship. I wanted something deeper. I wanted something more vulnerable because that's the place that I was going to. And he wasn't willing to go there with me. So when we got back together, that's what we did. And here, here we are 11 years later and, and we're still together. But it's only because he decided to come with me. Because he was like, okay, yeah, it's time. Let's do this and let's do it together. And I will work on my stuff and then we'll work on things together. And then, so not until we were both doing it, not until we were both on the same page, did things actually start to change. Yeah. I do hear it sometimes in that people talk about it in these spaces, like, oh, I'm like, how do I get my partner to do blah, blah, blah. And people say, obviously, you can't force your partner to change. And this is true. You can't force them to change. But then I also sometimes see and hear Oh, you just go on your own journey and, and then things will change in the relationship. Yes, but they might not change for the better. Yeah. If your partner is ready to change and they see you change, they might change along with you and might join you. If they're not, it's going to create a lot of tension, or at least it did for me. I don't want to make a blanket statement about all relationships, but it's just in my case, things didn't change for the better in the relationship mm -hmm. until we were both doing this kind of work and being vulnerable with each other and willing to go together to a deeper level. Yeah, it makes me think something we hear actually pretty often is that in social justice circles is when you uplift one party the or the when you uplift the party that has been marginalized historically speaking, the party that has been in a state of privilege is also uplifted. So in this case, women's empowerment allows for men's empowerment, male empowerment as well, in that there are all of these things that men have been taught to stay in that state of privilege. But suddenly the box is open. You're able to connect with other people. You're taught that it's safe to be vulnerable. It's safe to heal. It's safe to work on yourself. All of these things that, because we're not acknowledging the true humanity on either side it's in a state of privilege and marginalization, like when we're dealing with that sort of, when the scales aren't balanced. There's a quote from Lila Watson that I use all the time in all of my artist statements. And I just found it in one of my grant applications. It's, if you have come here to help me you're wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. Obsessed with that quote. I think that is, that's the kind of work I want to do. That's the kind of work that I think actually creates long-term change in the world and, and on a soul level for justice, for peace, for a better existence for all of us. Yeah, that is a great quote. Because there's also something about you know how people say, I don't want your charity. 
Yeah, there there is something about someone wanting to help you or someone wanting to save you and people not yeah. wanting. I, I don't want to be saved because it doesn't feel good because I can feel your privilege just like oozing. It's like I can 100%. feel your quote unquote superiority. Or your pity or your empathy. Or your pity. You know I mean? Like your sympathy for me or. Yeah. Like you're not. We're not in this together. Yeah. This is not an equal no. exchange. And you don't actually want long-term change because you want to stay in that state of privilege <laughs> so that you can always be the savior. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It also just full circle, it makes me think of my experience with my doctor today, how I felt both shitty for having lashed out at this person while also feeling really proud of the fact that I had defended myself and my own boundaries. And it just makes me think it's probably because I was fighting two different things at the same time. So in that moment, I was fighting both the person and the system. Fighting the person felt not great because it wasn't her fault and she meant well. Fighting the system felt amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think I just I also think running a nonprofit, I experienced that a lot of people, clients, volunteers, people in the community lashing out at me. Yeah. The calls I get where the amount of anger, vitriol from people who are so angry and it's just misdirected. They're angry at the system. They're angry at the fact that they are struggling to just make ends meet, to stay alive. And I'm the closest thing. I'm the connection between the system and them, right? Yeah. I'm like the tip of the iceberg. All you can see, you can only get mad at that at me. You can't get mad at what's under the water. Yeah. Because you're outside the gates. Other people yeah. are up in their ivory tower. But you're, yes, yes. you're down there on the ground. Yeah. I think also not to go into it socially or politically right now, but I think that's a lot of what's happening in our world today. And that's why we're getting angry at each other instead of angry at the the systemic injustices. And I think we're actually most of the time on the same side if we were to boil it down to what we all want. Yadine and I are doing this thing. I did this last year where I write down 12 wishes, cut them all up, up and I scrunch them together so I can't see which is which. And then every day I burn one wish. And then the last day, I open the last wish that that's left on the last day. And that is the wish that's up to me to make happen. Everything else I'm giving to my helping spirits or my ancestors or God, the, the divine, whatever. But the last wish that I, that I open up on the last day, that one is my responsibility. Last year when I, when I did this, the wish that uh, was left was about getting a dog. And then we, we wound up getting one because we put in the effort and we put in the energy but it was such a clear answer from my guides that if you want one get one like from from their point of view if you want it get it this one is up to you you can do this one on your own you don't need our help with this so that's what I'm doing and I invited Yadin to be a part of it it's really cute but I noticed when I was writing down my wishes and as I was doing a couple of other journal prompts in this book that I'm reading, that I'm not letting myself want that much. I'm keeping it very contained. Similarly to what you were saying last week, little change, medium change. Some of them are medium wishes. And I wrote down my one large wish, I think. And it felt, whoa, I'm asking for way too much. Yeah. This week, I want to say yes to more. I'm yeah. going to I'm going to practice wanting more, allowing myself to want more, to desire more, to ask for more. So that's my yes for the upcoming week. So I dealt with something similar in November. Kabbalistically, it's called shame of wanting. I don't know much about Kabbalah for those listening at home. I've only been studying for about six months. <laughs> like I constantly bring it up. It's like I'm Kabbalist, <laughs> but I was in a past life. So maybe that's why 
it counts. I, I speak of it so authoritatively and it just seems to make sense for me. I'm like, yep, I knew that. Shame of wanting, which is what it sounds like, struggling to want more. The first way to unravel that is just to ask for the desire for more. Yeah. So what you're saying, right? Essentially, mm-hmm. I want to want more. I know that I'm allowed to want more. And then the next step is unraveling, which comes with asking that. It will unravel why you don't believe you should have more, which sounds like it's also something that is already coming up for you. And you're mm-hmm. clear that it's like, ah, this is a, for you, is a, a systemic issue. It sounds, I know, female systemic issue. And um, familial as well. Yeah, that checks out too. Mine was both ancestral familial of what my ancestors have wanted for me. And similar to, funny, this is very full circle to what I said at the beginning, but similar to what these authorities believe my life should be about, which was martyrdom. Mm. Actually, I come from one side of my family is very deeply Catholic, deeply religious, and becoming a saint, wanting me to become a saint, wanting me to sacrifice my life. That's what we were dealing with. And that's not what I want in my life. That's a beautiful calling for folks who choose. But for me, I have a choice as to how I want to live my life. And it's only my choice, ultimately. At the end of the day, I'm the one who gets to make that decision. And I can receive other people's opinions. But at the end of the day, I'm the one who gets to choose how I live my life. I just didn't want anything. I was very content in my tiny little life. I feel like we I did talk about this in the podcast a couple months ago when this was happening. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so for those listening at home, shame of wanting. It's step a very one real is just, thing. Real thing. Step one is just to ask for the desire to want more. And then the rest will unravel from there. It's also just... Because it is really beautiful and quite an opportunity that we have at this point in time. We have more, we have more freedom than some of our ancestors did to make that choice, to be, to choose what our life, what we want our life to, to be. So we honor them more by living our best lives that we choose because we have the opportunity to do that because they survived. Also, I just want to say one more thing on this, which is about greed. And I feel like greed can happen at any level of financial success. You can have $2 to your name and still be very greedy. And I think for me, the opposite of greed is sharing, right? So receiving to share, and that doesn't mean receiving to give away all your money. doesn't mean receiving to take care of other people with it. It might mean, it means sharing light, right? It means making, bringing more light and love into the world. So with more money, with more success, financial success, I have the ability to travel the world more. I have the ability to meet more people, to bring more light to more people around the world. I have the ability to create the things I want to create. I'd really love to create a theater production company. With that, I will bring more light into the world by creating more art. I will have, I would love to buy clothes that are of higher quality, (laughs) which is bringing more light into the world. (laughs) And then I walk around in these nicer, higher quality clothes. It elevates my, it's linen and, I don't know, satin. (laughs) I don't know anything. Yeah. I don't know anything. Silk. That's what I wanted. And it's literally elevating those fibers, those fabrics actually elevate your own system as opposed to something that's like acrylic would be like, right? Acrylic, what do I want? Polyester. Polyester, yeah. Declines your frequency. So I'm literally raising my own frequency, which is bringing more light into the world. And I'm just walking around looking great, bringing more light into the world. My nails are done. I look great. Like I, I went to the, I was at, where the, where was I? 
I do not remember where I was, but I was somewhere. Oh, it was at Reformation. I was returning, a, speaking of high quality clothes, I was returning a pair of pants that, that I don't love that I bought from Reformation on a Black Friday sale. And the woman had the most gorgeous nails. She had done, oh my gosh, beautiful design. It was like halvesies and it was so cool. And it brought me joy to see her nails painted. I literally was like, like the fact that I'm thinking about it three days later, four days later, and I was like, I just, and I said to her, I was like, gosh, your, your nails are so cool. That's such an amazing, she investing in her own, spending the money on her own nails brought more light into my life, right? So it's like, I don't know that it's, you mentioned women being told that they need to share their wealth, right? That they need to, be, you're greedy if you don't then give it away. I don't know that I totally disagree with that. Do you know, I think applying it to just one gender is a problematic, but I don't know that I disagree with that principle, actually. I do think greed comes from not sharing, but I also believe that sharing brings more abundance. So if your intention is to share something, if I'm, like I just think of my organization, of my entire intention with my organization was to share when I started this thing almost four years ago, was to share with others, to help others to bring more light into the world during a really dark, difficult time. And the amount of abundance, I've received more abundance in this area of my life than I ever have in any other area because 150% of everything I was doing for six months was about sharing. The whole seed, the entire seed of the thing was to share. And there are times where it's not about sharing for me, right? It's about read and it's about receiving and it's about me just, I'm burnt out. I can't do anymore, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And those are the moments where it becomes difficult. The money stops rolling in. But the moments where we're the most giving and the most generous are the moments where, where the money does roll in. So I do think there's a correlation there as well. All right, everybody. That is it for this episode today. And we will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. That concludes this week's episode of The Weekly Yes. You will find us on all major podcast platforms as well as YouTube. And you can follow us on Instagram as well at The Weekly Yes. We encourage you to say yes to going deeper and dare to ask for more in the upcoming week. Keep saying yes, and we'll see you next week.